gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for your promises. We thank you that your word is true and sure. As we come before your word this morning, continue to work in our hearts, shaping them, conforming them into the heart of Christ Jesus. This I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Anybody have a picture like this at home? When you were growing up, what was Christmas all about? Presents, right? For, for me and my family, when we were growing up, uh, we would go to Christmas Eve, right? Christmas Eve service, and then hurry home because we could open up one present that night. I checked with my sisters because we exchanged. We did, I, you know, six kids. We exchanged presents. We could open up that one exchange present that night. And then in the morning, we got to open up all the rest of the presents. And that's really what it was about, wasn't it? It was about the presents, not his presence. Church was just a thing to get done and out of the way to get to the presents. Has our, has, have the times changed really? Not really. I mean, maybe as we've grown older, it's changed, but as a nation... Really, the focus of much of the nation is on presence, not his presence. On the material and perishable, not on the spiritual and imperishable. And by the way, this is not a new phenomenon. Hardly. As a matter of fact, let me tell you about a time and place where it was not a new phenomenon. About 2,700 years ago, during the time of Micah. Micah was a prophet, and he was a contemporary of Isaiah. So, his, his ministry was in the mid-700s B.C. And he preached to the same people that Isaiah preached to. Now, during this time, during the time of Micah, the northern... The, the northern nation of Israel fell to the Assyrians. So they were captured. And the southern nation, Judah, almost had the same fate. So there was a lot of problems, a lot of issues. Part of the focus of Micah, he actually came from what we would call farming country, was the focus on how the rich, powerful people were truly oppressing the poor. And so a lot of his judgment was about how there was really robbing people. One commentator put it this way, there was a shocking contrast between the extremely rich and the oppressed poor due to the exploitation, exploitation of Israel's middle class by greedy landholders. The oppressors were supported by Israel's corrupt political and religious leaders. Because of their, this failed leadership, the whole nation became morally corrupt and ripe for judgment. Does sound like today. 2,700 years ago, doesn't that sound like today? Right? There's a lot of focus on many things. There's a lot of 
moral decay, corruption, even though we as a nation are extremely prosperous as a whole. So Micah gave a lot, and Micah, Isaiah, Jeremiah, all the prophets had really hard, harsh judgments against the nation. If you read the first 38 chapters, 39 chapters of Isaiah, it's almost depressing because it is full of judgment. Same thing with Micah. But the prophets also give a word of comfort because they give a word of promise in their prophecy as well. So we're going to take a look at the comfort, the promise of God's word. Because remember, in Advent, we are going into the Old Testament to see the promises of God's enduring love. So let's go uh, in our message today. The message is very simple. Enter into the Lord's house where there's peace, restoration, and unity. That's the main core of the message. Let's flesh it out a little bit, shall we? We're going to start Micah chapter 4, and I've got verses 1 through 2. It shall come It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and peoples shall flow to it. And many nations shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Okay. How many of you, just a show of hands, have heard the word Zion associated with a church, like Zion Lutheran, Zion Baptist? Yeah? You've heard that? Do you have any idea what that means? It's like, why are they using the word Zion? Well, it really refers to Jerusalem. So it used to refer to a very specific area of Jerusalem, but now over time it became broader and it is the city of Jerusalem. So if you hear somebody say Zion, that's really Jerusalem. But well, what's important about Zion or Jerusalem? I mean, really, what's so important about it? Well, that's where you found the temple. That's where you found the temple. So, for the Israelites, the temple was the dwelling place of God. You have to remember, back in Exodus, when they were in the wilderness, they made a tent of meeting, right? And there was the tabernacle there. And there was the temple, in essence, the holy place and the holy of holies. And that was where God would meet with man. That was where they knew God was dwelling. They knew God was dwelling there because there was a pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night. They knew God was there. But it was a temporary structure, so to speak. It was a tent. But now, in Jerusalem, there was actually a temple. It was permanent. It was solid. And so, if you wanted to go meet God... You went to Jerusalem 
You went to the temple to meet with God in his dwelling place. You went to Jerusalem. Look, Psalm 102 says this. It says that they may declare in Zion the name of the Lord and in Jerusalem his praise when his peoples gather together and kingdoms to worship the Lord. Look, this temple imagery is something that we carry through to today. There's a song, Praise to the Lord Almighty. You know this one? You know this one. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. Oh, my soul, praise him, for he is thy health and salvation. All you, all ye who hear, now to his temple draw near. Join me with glad adoration. So, we have in our mind to go to a place to dwell with God. Micah is giving a promise here that has us start to think this through a little bit more. So it says, It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountains of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest mountains. Latter days could be translated as last days. Now, when the Israelites read this, they always thought last days, this would be the coming of the Messiah. So in latter days, last days, this was a messianic prophecy. And what the Israelites of that day, and even Jesus' day, they were looking for that physical fulfillment of the old covenant. They were looking for the temple, right? The new glorious temple, the highest temple. Even the woman at the well, she said, well, we worship on this mountain, right? The mountain we worship on. And by the way, there are many people this very day that go on a pilgrimage, go to a shrine, go to some place, because at that place, they'll find God. They're looking for God in that physical place. But is that really the fulfillment of what Micah wrote about? Is that the fulfillment of what Christ said and what Christ came for? See, when you start to take a look at what Jesus said, you find something different. In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus says, I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. So what might that be? Well, when you take a look at John, John chapter 2, verse, starting verse 19, Jesus answered him, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, It has taken us 46 years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. You see, Jesus was identifying himself, himself, as the new and true temple. The Old Covenant sanctuary was but a foreshadow of Jesus, he himself being the temple, the sanctuary. And the believers who gather around Christ Jesus are then the church, the sanctuary. R.C. Sproul put it this way, Christ is the temple and all men are commanded to come to him 
in order to worship and serve the one true God. You see, we meet God in Christ Jesus because He is God. When we are in His presence, we are in His house, the house of the Lord, the mountain of the house of the Lord. You see, Jesus dwells with us. What does Emmanuel mean? The name for Jesus, Emmanuel, means God with us. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That word dwelt means tabernacled or tented. Rather than going somewhere, Christ came to us and we are with him. And the, if you really want a picture of the full fulfillment, the full presence of being with Jesus, it's from our reading in Revelation. Revelation chapter 21. And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Remember last week I talked about the marriage covenant, the, the, the analogy, the metaphor of being married. There it is right there, the church, the bride of Christ, Christ being the groom. Verse 3, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he said, and he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Look, from 2,700 years ago, all the way then to Revelation, the great fulfillment. And it only happened, it only happened because Christ came. He was born, he lived, he suffered, died, and rose again. That's what Micah was talking about. Now some people might say, oh, but doesn't it say there's a new Jerusalem? And look, there are some... some groups that focus on, oh, you're going to live forever in the new Jerusalem. And they focus on the present, not the presence of Christ Jesus. That new Jerusalem without the presence of Christ is nothing. That's where we are with Him, in His house, in His presence. You know, they say that home is where the heart is. When you have a heart for the Lord and you enter into his house, you're home. What more would you want? That's the highest mountain you could ever have. You know, this lesson was brought home for me uh, this week. You know, we worked really hard to get this done in time for the carpeting. And then the carpet didn't come. And I have emotions like everybody else. I was so greatly disappointed. I mean, for a half a day, I was like, uh, you know, it was, it was bad. 
And then I started my study on Micah, and I went, oh, okay, carpet's not the point. You know, not having carpet is a first world problem. It's hardly a third, you know. And any, any third world church would think this is a cathedral. And so there was a lesson, right? We can come to this house of worship, but if we come and it's not in his presence, we're just going through the motions. So, yeah, carpet would be nice, but it's his presence. You know, it's been interesting. Uh, past couple of weeks, I've gotten a number of lessons. You know, for a Thanksgiving message, I had trouble with my eye, learning to be grateful with that. No carpet, remembering his presence. I'm a little concerned about next week. You know, we're going to be talking about Bethlehem, shepherds. I, I don't know what the lesson's going to be. But you understand that, right? That brings home really why we're here. So when you enter into the house, into, into Jesus, you enter into his presence where there's peace. Verse 3, and I'm going to read 3 through 5. He shall judge between many peoples and shall decide for strong nations far away. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. But they shall sit, every man under his vine and under every fig tree, no one shall make them afraid, for the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. For all the peoples walk in the name of its God, but we walk in the name of our Lord, of, of the Lord our God forever and ever. If you take a look at the world right now, and the history of the world, I don't, I mean, it would be hard for me, and I didn't find any particular year where there was not a war of some sort. Now, some of the wars, right, are huge in nature, and millions of people die. Some of the wars are smaller. Some are skirmishes. You might even call them conflict. Uh, and so there really hasn't been earthly peace in that regard. And you often find that there are dignitaries, ambassadors, leaders of countries, even the United Nations, that will go in and try to get peace, right? Try to broker peace amongst the warring factions. And sometimes that works for a little bit, but is it lasting? No, it's, it's, it's I mean, oftentimes when countries or dignitaries interfere and try to fix it, it can even make it worse. And sometimes it goes underground for a while and then comes right back up. And look, even our own country, Take a look at the past few years. I don't need to recount all the tumult and turmoil that we've been going on. And not even just the physical. There's been a war of worldviews, hasn't there? There's been truly a war of worldviews. And you've seen this war played out across our nation and in our courts to this very day. So we don't even have peace here in this prosperous country. But people would say, oh, well, we're so much more evolved and better than they were 2,700 years ago. And I would say, well, if that's the case, why don't we have peace? And we don't 
have peace because there's nothing new under the sun. We have not changed from 2,700 years ago. We are still fallen, sinful people. So Micah gives a prophecy that there will be peace. But where can that peace come from? So when you take a look at it, peace must come from the one who is truly righteous, who's the source of righteousness. For then and only then can there be proper judgment. If there is judgment from the one who is truly righteous, you can't really argue with that. And when Jesus judged, his judgment will be true, sure, and swift. You know, there's a reading from Isaiah that often gets read during Advent. So let's read it during Advent. Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 5. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness. He shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. This is the promise in the last days of Christ Jesus, the righteous judge. And when he judges, there can be no disputing his judgment. And when you are ruled by him and his truth and righteousness, there's peace. There's peace that surpasses an understanding. And when there is peace, there is no fear. When you are in Christ Jesus, in his peace, there is no fear. See, the Lord God speaks to those whom he loves and whom he has called out. He reassures them again and again to fear not. Isaiah chapter 43. But now, thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, who formed you, O Israel, fear not. For I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Daniel chapter 10. And he said, O man greatly loved, fear not. Peace be with you. Be strong and uh, be of good courage. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened. And he said, and said, let my Lord speak. For you have strengthened me. See, look, look, the Israelites, they were afraid. They were afraid that they were going to be captive, and they were rightly afraid that they were going to be captive. To be a covenant-following Jew puts you in great danger. It was that day, and if you are a Jew in Israel, you still have that fear, don't you? It's still that way today, because look at all the missiles, bombs, everything going on in the nation of Israel. And yet, 
I've talked about this throughout the years here. What's the greatest persecuted religion in the world? It's Christianity. Christianity is the greatest persecuted religion bar none. To be a new covenant following follower of Jesus, to be a new covenant follower of Jesus, can put you in great, great danger. Great danger. And so what's the antidote to all of that? The antidote is to hear the word of the Lord, to look to, to trust his promises, and to look to Jesus. For in him the perfect love of God is made manifest for us. That's the promise Micah was giving 2,700 years ago. In him, the Prince of Peace, you find peace, and there is no fear. And you also find restoration and unity. In that day, the last days, in that day, declares the Lord, I will assemble the lame and gather those who have been driven away from, been driven away, and those whom I have afflicted, and the lame I will make the remnant, and those who were cast off a strong nation, and the Lord will reign over them in Mount Zion from this time forth and forevermore. Now, if you were here last week, we talked about Jeremiah. And Jeremiah, we talked about having a new heart, right? In this new covenant, we are giving a new heart. We quoted Ezekiel. But there's a part of Ezekiel that is also pertinent here, the same thing that we read last week. It says, Ezekiel chapter 11, Therefore, says, therefore say, thus says the Lord, I will gather you from the peoples and assemble you out of the countries where you have been scattered. And I will give you the land of Israel. So even then, back then there's a promise that God will gather the scattered. God will gather his remnant as sheep who have been scattered. This is good news. So God will gather the believers who have been downtrodden and oppressed. God will gather you, the believer, who has been persecuted for your faith, who has been mocked upon, mocked at, spat upon even. God will come and gather all of us as the shepherd gathers the sheep. This is good news. Because no matter how bad the situation is, God takes care of his remnant. See, in the times that we live right now, where there has been a falling away, but also at the same time a strengthening of many churches, to me it's like the remnant. And so we stand strong in the promises that he has given us. We stand strong in the promise of Christ Jesus. Micah was talking about the Messiah in the last days, that the Messiah would reign over them and it would be a strong nation. But for us, we understand it. 
that we are a strong nation, that we are unified together, not because of earthly, natural boundaries here, a physical boundary. We will be a strong and are a strong nation because we are in Christ Jesus, because we will be a holy nation with Jesus as Lord. This is what Peter wrote. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellences, excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So in Christ Jesus, there is a unity that we have because we are his. We are his people. And we dwell in his house. We dwell in his presence. We dwell in his peace. We are restored. That's, that's the promise Micah was talking about 2,700 years ago. If Linus were here right now, he'd say, that's what Christmas is about, Charlie Brown. That we are restored. That we are in the house of the Lord in his presence. So there's just one thing. One thing this week. This Advent, this Christmas. Let this be your focus. Entering entering into his house, into his presence where there's peace, restoration, and unity. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for your enduring love and promises. Keep guiding us. Give us that heart of Christ Jesus in which we know we are home in his presence. Amen.